Christ in the home, it works best. The idea is to prepare them for a future to stand without you. Not that you can't still be mom and dad and you can't help or counsel, but you want them to stand on their own. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right, good to see everyone. You can turn to your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Going to be looking at verses 1 through 9 and then verses 21 through 24. I'm skipping verses 10 through 20 because it's putting on the armor of God. I figured we can just look at that next week. Probably one of the more famous portions of Ephesians is that putting on God's armor, and I think we need that armor on today. And so we'll hold that off till next week. So do the beginning of the chapter, the close of the chapter, and we're really continuing from Ephesians chapter 5. And the theme really, I believe, kind of goes back to a very key verse, verse 21 of chapter 5, which says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And last week we look at wives submitting to their husbands, husbands loving their wives. We continue now with children obeying their parents and servants being obedient to their masters. And with the children, Paul deals with the fathers, with the servants, Paul deals with the masters. But there is this theme that has been set forth. It begins with submission, submission to one another in the fear of God. And then in God's proper order of things, we kind of take it down from there to where he goes into the family, goes to the wives first, to the husbands, and now to the children, talking about obedience. I think probably a couple of the two most misquoted verses in the book of Ephesians, probably one is Ephesians 5.22, when a husband um, trying to pull rank in the house and pull things out of proportion and God's word probably misusing it, you know, why submit? The Bible says so right here. On the other side of that, I can see husbands and wives taking uh, Ephesians 6.1 and, and showing it to the children, saying, children, obey. This is what the word says right here, children, obey. It's true. I mean, there is to be submission, but it all goes back to verse 21, where we submit to one another in godly fear. If we have a proper balance where God is our head, and then as God the head, he goes to the man, to the woman, to the children, and then goes into the workplace, we would say today, since we're not dealing with slavery here in the United States, 
we have a proper balance of things that the Lord has given us. In that proper balance, there is the home life where children rule, right? No? I've seen it before. I've seen it where children rule the home and the parents really don't. And it doesn't go well, I don't believe, for the children. The children love it. But it, it doesn't go well to them when they reach their teen years and their adult years because they don't know how to function proper in society. So God has laid out an order for us, and, and this order dealing with the wives and the husbands to the children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So he tells us first off that children are to obey their parents in the Lord. He's talking to the children here. So we get this picture, and maybe I should be downstairs teaching the children right now, because we'll learn later, Tychicus brought this letter to the church of Ephesus, and they would read it publicly. And so the idea is the whole church is there. He's already addressed the church itself. Now he's moving into the families. He's talked to the wives. He's talked to the husbands. Now he's talking to the children in the congregation. And he tells the children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now the, the key, this phrase in the Lord, that everything wraps back to Jesus Christ. In this whole portion of scripture, we keep coming back to Christ we keep coming back to God. So this is right. It's in the Lord. It's of the Lord. It's as to Christ. Um, it's the will of God as we're running through these verses, phrases. It's from the Lord. We see these different phrases, but it's always coming back to Christ, coming back to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So parents in the Lord. But I think the idea is that the whole church, the whole family is being raised to know Jesus Christ. Mom and dad are believers. The children are either being taught of Christ or on their way to becoming believers or already have become believers. But he's talking to the church family. In talking to the church family, he's saying, children, obey your parents in the Lord. I think they've questioned that in the Lord to saying, well, if your parents aren't in the Lord, if they're not believers, that means you don't have to obey. There'd be a little twisting of scripture there. And um, I don't believe that is true because I believe that phrase for this is right kind of falls into this category of children's obedience to parents, whether they're believers or unbelievers. In Romans chapter 1, verse 30, Paul talks about the disobedient, being disobedient to parents as a mark of society's downward spiral away from God. And so just the fact that children don't obey their parents is a mark of a society that is falling apart. So the proper order is for children to obey their parents, but it's a better order when the Lord is in the home. And so we can say in the Lord, speaking and dressing believers, talking to us that we as parents are in the Lord, our children are on their way to becoming believers themselves. It's our hope, it's our prayer that this is right. And then he, he goes back to the fifth of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And so he takes him back to verses that are found in Exodus chapter 20 or Deuteronomy chapter 5 where it is the Ten Commandments, there are two tables of the law. The first table of the law, it, there are four commandments that all deal with man's relationship to God. 
You shall have no other God before me. You shall have no images. You shall not take the Lord your God's name in vain. Honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The first four deal with man's relationship to God. The second six, I don't have six fingers on this hand, but um, deal with man's relationship with each other. I find it interesting that the first of the second tablet or the second table of the law, it's in the home. It's talking to the children, honor your father and mother. And I find this interesting because I believe that if you get this down in your home, then it will help you throughout life. And all the other commandments deal with once we're adults and how we live our lives as adults. So if we can get it down in the home, it's going to be beneficial to us in our lives. That's why I believe it, it will be well with you. Things will go good. If you'll just do this, children, and you guys aren't children for the most part, it'll go well if you do this in the home. Now, a few weeks ago, it was actually this past week that I had a friend of mine who is a pastor ask me a question on a message that he heard based out of um, Psalm 128, where this pastor that was preaching the message was saying that the problem with the United States is that Men haven't stepped up. I would agree with that. But um, based off 128 of Psalm saying that, you know, if we'd only do this, then God would do this. And I just responded back and I said, I read through Psalm 128 and I said, it's difficult for us to take the conditional promises of the Old Testament and to rightly apply them at all times to us in the New Testament age that we live in. And we're talking about Old Covenant versus New Covenant. That in the Old Testament, there were promises that were given to the nation of Israel. They were conditional promises where God said, if you do this, I will do that. You do this, I'll do this. You do this, I'll do this for you. And actually, to be honest, this honor your father and mother falls into that category of a conditional promise. If a child will honor their father and mother, the Lord has promised it will go well with you and you'll live long on this earth. I'm kind of drawing this out because I realize that in the world we live in now, it's a fallen world. There are those who are apart from Christ, and there are children who die at a young age that go through sufferings, and they didn't do anything to provoke their parents. There's no blame on the child for their premature death. It's just that we live in a fallen society where death and sickness is part of our world. So it's difficult to say if you do this, then you're going to have a long life. And, and what does that mean? How long is a long life? I mean, um, where do we qualify the length of life? I think with Israel, God had promised some very definite promises that there would be no sickness, there'd be no miscarriages. And he had all this, you know, if they, they were faithful to him and their worship to him, that he would bless their crops abundantly. When they saw the sickness, when they saw death, when they saw miscarriage, um, when they saw a famine, it was because of their disobedience. Now, we live in a world where we're seeing this stuff at all times. In fact, the Word of God tells us things are going to continue to get worse as the coming of Christ gets closer. So we're living in a difficult age. I'm not saying that it's not good to honor your father and mother. I believe that we should. Just saying in honoring our father and mother, 
life can still be tough. And I'm talking to a church and to a country now has been in a recession. I, you know, I think depression would probably be a greater title for that, but nobody wants to pull the D word out on this thing. But times are hard and you can be in the right place and be going through difficult times just because of the circumstances of the society that we live in today. And it's not just here in the United States, it's throughout the world that these things are happening. I think there would be a misapplication of Scripture if we would say, if we would do these things, then God is going to bless us and nothing bad will come to us. It just will not. It will not happen. And then what happens when you get that type of teaching we discover that if something does bad happen to an individual in a church that is being taught, that if you would just rightly apply God's word in your life, nothing will ever go wrong. You'll have it great. But if something goes wrong, they'll say, well, you're not you're obvious. You don't have enough faith. And they begin to belittle the faith of the believer who has been trusting in God and still finding that the circumstances of life had been coming against them. So I'm not doubting the word that's been given to me here. I believe that if we would honor our father and mother, and as an adult, I believe that I did well, not perfectly, but because of how my parents brought me up, because of the respect I have for my parents, that it has helped me as an adult to function in the world that I live in. And in that sense, I believe that things have went very well with me, even when I at one time sat on unemployment for over eight months. I look back at that and say, well, we survived those eight months of unemployment. Maybe you've been longer without work, but I've watched the Lord take me through some very difficult circumstances in my life because God, through my parents, has helped instill the Word of God in my heart and in my life. Will I live long? I do not know. I've always felt that the Lord is returning soon. And so I haven't been banking on old age. I was actually researching online my grandfather, Earl Pinnell. So I was tracing back my family lineage. I got back to uh, the 1600s. And my dad died when he was 56. So that's not long life. My grandfather, Earl, he died in his uh, early 60s. That's not really that long of a life. But we go back three generations uh, my great-grandfather, 93 years old. That's, that's getting up there. That's doing pretty well. I don't know if that's going to be me. But what I desire is to be faithful to Christ with the days that he gives me. Now, he specifically, in verse 4, deals to the fathers here. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And so he, he's not talking to moms. I don't know why he's picking on us guys. Actually, I think I do know why. Because get, dads can push sometimes. And I don't know, it's our mind. And they talk about the right brain versus the left brain and all the way we think and operate. But um, guys can be very narrow-minded in the sense that if we are given a task, then we'll get the task done and we'll move on to the next task that's before us that we have a job to do. We'll do our job. And we don't 
have too many other things going on, it seems like, until our job is completed. And that's not totally true, but we get this mindset, and that's kind of how I, I know that I operate. And I do it every week. Uh, last week, I knew I had to teach from Ephesians chapter 6, so that was my task. But I'll tell you this, when I'm done teaching this portion, I'm going to be on to verse 10 tomorrow morning thinking about what I have to teach next week. That's going to be my job. And in between there, I have Psalm 118, and, and I'm just kind of task-oriented. I move on from one to the next, just keep plodding along. And we get that way with our children sometimes. And it gets, well, they don't have the same mind as us. They're children. They don't always listen. There's always sometimes struggles going on. So he addresses the father. I believe he addresses dad as the head of the home. But he warns the dad, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Provoke means to anger or to enrage. It means don't push your children to the point of anger or wrath. Now, it's not that fathers are always this way, because Jesus talked about the fathers in Matthew chapter 7. When praying to our heavenly father, he used the father, earthly father as an example and saying that when your child asks for bread, oh, you won't give him a scorpion or a snake. You know, you're going to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give those things which you ask for, especially that of the Holy Spirit? And so he uses the fathers as an example of doing good to their children, giving good gifts to their children. But sometimes we can push too hard and, and there's a warning there. You don't want to push your children away. You don't want to push them to wrath. I think about this whole children thing, and I think about the Jewish mindset that Paul was writing from because he was a Jewish man. They bar misfed their sons at the age of 13. What that meant was that the father was saying, I am no longer responsible for my son's behavior before God, but now my son is responsible to God for his own actions. So that being said, there is this time of childhood, the bar mitzvah would be considered a man. They would marry often in their teens. Now we live in a society where people are getting married in around 28, 26 for gals. It's much later than it used to be years ago. You know, we're not quite releasing our children quite as early. So we have this opportunity, I believe, early on. I believe that's what he's talking about here. Early on, let's say before the bar mitzvah, we have this opportunity. It's not that you stop uh, training up your children. It's not that you stop um, teaching them, admonishing them in the Lord after they turn a certain age. You keep on doing that, but you have this time when they're young to really instill in their lives the word of God in their hearts. But we come to the teenage years, it can be very difficult times. Yep, amen. I hear it. This came to mind when I first read this and prepping for this message. There was a time when my son was a teenager. He was driving, and uh, he came in the house with three other friends, went straight to the basement. His eyes were lit up. He was high on something. He was... I know he was drinking. I went out to his car. I opened up. I popped a back panel in his Camaro and found where he had hidden some beer and went down. And with the beer, 
Um, I don't know if I'd already dumped it out at that point or not, but kicked the friends out and me and him had a confrontation and it was getting heated and I was pushing and I was pushing hard. And to be honest with you, I wanted him to lash out at me that I could justify lashing back physically. I was pushing him for he would lash out physically at me that I would be justified to lash back because I was just fed up. I was pushing hard. Thankfully, Johnny had the cooler head that day and uh, he would not lash out at me. I know some kids will against their parents. I'm grateful that that scene never went as bad as it could have gotten. Lily was crying and it was just a mess. He ended up running away. Um, he left the house. He was gone for several days. It gave us time to cool down for both of us. But it can be very difficult times. Now my boy's a daddy. <laughs> now he's going to be thinking about all these things that he put his parents through. But I believe, see, Melissa was totally different. We brought them up the same, but in those early years, we instilled Jesus Christ in their, their lives and into their hearts. They both accepted Christ um, at an early age in their lives. And for one, you know, backsliding and, and going wayward wasn't an option. The other one did. But it was the things that we had, let's say, before the bar mitzvah. For Johnny, it was around 12 or 13. The age is correct where the rebellion started to come into play. And so we instilled that stuff early on to where um, it was a memory for him throughout those hard times. This kid who was so messed up so often, and he's got tats on his body, every tat he's got, even when he wasn't walking with the Lord, reflects Jesus Christ. He told me once the reason I did that was to remind me to whom I belong. Now, this is a mindset of someone who is, from my consideration, pretty twisted. He wasn't walking with the Lord, but he would have those moments where he'd get close and God would begin to draw, and eventually it clicked. Um, John Corson said at one time that your kids are like the faith that you instill in them is like popcorn when they get heated hot enough, eventually it'll start popping and it'll, it'll work. They'll realize it and they'll figure it out. And so our task is to bring them up in the uh, admonition and in the training of the Lord. I think one of the ways we do this is found in Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 9, where it says, You shall love your Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So that's talking to the parents. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so... We have this wonderful opportunity early on in our children's life to instill God's word in their heart, to grow them up, to train them in the training and the admonition of the Lord. That word for training means to nurture. 
And like a mother would nurse a child and just uh, bring them up physically in health, we also want to do that spiritually for our children. And uh, Christ in the home, it works best. The idea is to prepare them for a future to stand without you. Not that you can't still be mom and dad and you can't help or counsel, but you want them to stand on their own. You know, I, I tell you the truth, I love my children, but I, I wouldn't want them living in my house still. You know, and there's a certain age to where it's like, go do your thing. You just want your children to succeed and especially to succeed in faith, we can train them up in, in the ways of the Lord. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this epistle that you have given us. And I pray, Lord, as we close out next week, looking at the armor of God, I pray that you'd prepare us, Lord, because I know that so often we have been beaten down in this world and we need your armor. And so, Lord, if we've not done well as a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, an employee, a child, an employer. Lord, help us to learn to take up your armor, that we can have the sincerity of heart as we faithfully serve you in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Mm -hmm.